Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and today our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, is going to lead us through 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where we see Paul continue to convince some church naysayers of his authenticity as an apostle. It's a fascinating chapter with important implications for today's churches as well. So get ready for our study, and as you do that, find your seat on the Bible bus too, because Greg and I have got some great letters to share with you. Steve, just as before we get into the letters, I just want to say on behalf of all of us through the Bible, thank you for sharing your stories. Thank yeah. you. We we just love to sit in here and read the, the testimonies, and we are encouraged, and I believe many, many millions of people are encouraged when you share your story. And, of course, this month, May is letter month, traditionally, and we've sort of added a, a an extra little icing on the cake and, and added this I love to tell the story theme. Well, we've got some great stories. You want to share this first one? Yeah, this first one is from Brenda in Modesto, and it's a great reminder why telling our story matters. She says, I have been on the Bible bus for many years, but 2022 has been more memorable than most. God has shown me that praying for others is very important in my life. Listening to the letters that you read has given me greater understanding into the blessings that I have in my own life. My life isn't about what God can do for me. He's already done it all. Now I can focus on what I can do for him. I have grown to love him more and to know more about his love and the sacrifice that God the Father gave to humanity. So I thank you for all that the Bible bus does for all of the world and for teaching all of us in such an easy way to understand the word of God. I am praying that 2023 will be even better. Great, great to hear that story. Uh, Thank you, Brenda. Now let's hear from Amy in Dallas, Texas. I was raised by Baptist missionary parents in Cameroon and Nigeria, West Africa. I had heard of Dr. McGee, but had never listened to him. Every morning I woke up for work to music on a local radio station. Then one morning I, quote, mysteriously woke to Dr. J. Vernon McGee instead. (laughs) I never changed the station, as I believe God was telling me something, and you have been part of my morning devotional practice ever since. All right. I am now enjoying my third trip on the Bible bus through the living word. I found this so beneficial that a few months after I started listening, I decided to partner with the ministry. I'm now retired and I get up a little later, so I listen on the app. As long as the Lord blesses me with an income, part of it will be coming your way, and TTB is also documented in my will. Hmm. Well, thank you for that. Very generous. She goes on, I also support the revitalization and expansion of a hospital in rural Nigeria. I went to school with the director and informed him of the various language options available at Through the Bible. He said he would be happy to pass the website information on to the chaplains. It's a delight to help you fling out the spiritual seed. Wow. (laughs) Amy, thank you so much for partnering with us and for supporting financially. That's important, but also for telling your friends about the program and and, in in different parts of the world. That is wonderful. This next letter, this comes from uh, someone without a name, or at least it wasn't given. Dear fellow prayer partners, this past year has been so very difficult. A sudden, unexpected loss of my son, my brother, and dearest friend. Being on this prayer team has helped to keep my eyes on the one who is sovereign over all things. Praying for others around the world and their needs helps me to draw near to the Lord and praise him for all the amazing acts he performs in the lives of others to draw them near to himself. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he is with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Praise him. Wow. 
Well, friends, I don't think you have to wonder why we love to tell the story because the best stories always point to Jesus. And again, we'd love to hear why you love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you are a sovereign God in control of the good things and the tragic things that happen in our lives. We pray that you would give us the strength to endure those things, whatever they are. Pray that you would bless the program as it goes out now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's our study in 2 Corinthians 2 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, as we indicated before, we've come in this section. It's a very wonderful section where Paul is actually vindicating his ministry. The very wonderful thing is that this man now, as it were, he opens up his heart. And he'll be very personal in this chapter, as we've already indicated And we see here in chapter 11 the vindication of Paul's apostleship. We saw in chapter 10 the authentication of it. And then we move on the revelation of Paul's apostleship in chapter 12, the execution of Paul's apostleship in chapter 13, the first 10 verses, and then the conclusion of Paul's apostleship. And that's in the last part of chapter 13, beginning at verse 11. Now, you will note that this great man, he's opened up, as it were, his heart to us. And I think I should move back and gather up some strings here. He says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, indeed bear with me. And you will notice that in this chapter, he's going to mention this several times, He says, verse 16, I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. And then he speaks of boasting that it's foolish. And then verse 19, for ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. Well, of course, he's using sarcasm there on a very high plane. Now, Paul has made it very clear in this section that the enemy was busy in Corinth. That little minority had stirred up trouble against him, and they were trying to discredit his ministry. He explains to them why he didn't spend more time with them. He says, I'm an evangelist. That is, I'm a missionary. For that's really the word. And he says, I don't want to build on another man's foundation. And Paulus has been there, and Peter's been there, and ministered to you, and you've heard these men now. And I'm moving on out to the frontier. And that's the reason, because this is my ministry. This is my service. Now, he says, I want to let you know that I have a ministry and that I am an apostle, I'm an accredited apostle. And then he goes on to say, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. Why was this man willing actually to make himself a fool, as it were, for them? Well, he said, because I'd much rather speak of Christ than defend myself. But it's not necessary with this little group to defend myself. And so I'm speaking foolishly. Well, what does it mean to speak foolishly? And what is the word foolishness? 
and the fool in the Greek. I think that stupidity, ignorance, or egotism, all of these are meanings of the word. It means actually mindlessness, no purpose in it. That is, it doesn't serve the great purpose of getting out the gospel, and yet Paul feels called upon to do it. And he said, suffer me to be foolish for just a few moments. And he defends his apostleship. Now, as we said last time, this is the method of Satan, as we shall see. The devil at the very beginning persecuted the church, and he found out he wasn't hurting it. In fact, the matter is, the church never grew as it did those first hundred years and it swept across the Roman Empire. And by 315 A.D., why, it had gone into every nook and corner of the Roman Empire. And it was during the time of persecution. Well, the devil didn't hurt the church. Then what happened? He decided to join it. And that's when he began to hurt the church. But he began to make his attack upon the Word of God. And that didn't work. And then he did what he always does. He made his attack upon the men who believe and teach the Word of God. In other words, in this case, he hasn't been able to discredit the gospel. So now he attempts to discredit the apostle Paul. And he goes on to say here that for this reason, that he'd rather preach Christ than do this, but he's doing it. Because he's jealous over them. He loves them. And he's afraid that the serpent that beguiled Eve, and don't think of the serpent as a crawling creature. It was the shining one. He's an angel of light, remember. He beguiled Eve through his subtly, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And again, I call your attention to the fact that the gospel is simple. We hear so much today about the intellectual approach. And honestly, I think you need to be aware of that. Every seminary today is trying to make young men intellectual preachers. I listened to a young man not long ago, and he's a young man that I'm partially responsible for him being in the ministry. It's the reason I listened to him, and he went to a seminary, and He's come out now, and he preached a sermon. And I didn't know, frankly, for 30 minutes what he was talking about. And I'm confident he didn't either. He was way above himself. Today, the gospel needs to be given with sanctified common sense. That is the thing that's so desperately needed. Now, he says to them in verse 4, And if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we've not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now, some time ago, I gave a message in many places on the subject, Jesus Christ, not superstar, but the bright and morning star. And I fully expected a great deal of opposition to the message because actually some churches have gone for that type of thing. It denies, of course, the deity of Christ, and it presents a Jesus that never lived. In fact, it's just the Jesus of liberalism with a new wardrobe. And the wardrobe is a rather hippie type affair. And as a result, 
why we have the Jesus of liberalism. And the Jesus of liberalism never existed. There's no record of him at all because they deny the virgin birth. And the only record we have says he was virgin born. And they do not believe he performed miracles. And as a result, why they have a different Jesus because the one in the gospels performed miracles and he died for the sins of the world. They deny that. They deny he was raised from the dead bodily. You see, the only record that we have is of the one who was God and man, or as the oldest creed has it, he's very God of very God, very man of very man. And this is another Jesus that's being presented today. Now, Paul says, if anyone comes to you preaching about another Jesus, then we preach to you. That's in the Gospels. You're not to accept that one at all. He says here, verse 5, Now, for I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostle. Now, I put Paul as number one of the apostles. He himself said he was the least of the apostles. He went to the end of the line, and I put him at the other end of the line. And he wants these Corinthians to know that he's just as much an apostle as any of the others. And he says, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. Now, Paul, I think, actually adopted the language that the Corinthians would understand. And I'm of the opinion it was a rather rude approach. I have a letter from someone, got it some time ago, and he gives me quite a lecture for using the term that the psychologists have used today, and it's well understood and known what it means, and it's the term hang-up. Well, I've adopted it because I'm of the opinion that everyone knows what it means. Well, this man told me how the expression began, and he deals with the dirty side of it. Well, may I say to you, they said that about Paul, and he's using rude language. But Paul was one of the most brilliant men that I think that's ever walked this earth. I believe that he had the highest IQ of any man. Now he says, but we have been truly made manifest among you in all things. And he says, you would know this. And verse 7, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? You see, Paul would not let the... Corinthians give anything to him at all. And he did it. And as a result, he had to work. And this man had to work hard making tents. And because he had corns on his hands, it didn't mean that he was not an outstanding apostle. He says, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. Now, in Macedonia, we are told, and when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things, I've kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. What a tremendous statement this man makes. He said, I won't let you give me anything. And as the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Now, Paul said, I'm boasting, but I'm doing it because it's the truth. I'm jealous of you, and I'm fearful of you. Now he goes on, Wherefore, because I love you not, God knoweth. 
but what I do that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. They are beginning to say, well, Apollos, you know, is such a polished speaker when he comes to us. He doesn't engage in tent making or any work like that. Well, Paul did. Verse 13, but such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, evidently, there were false apostles, there were deceitful workers, and they attempted to make themselves apostles of Christ, and they were not. Now, who were they? No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. I don't have time to develop that as we have in other places, and I'll have occasion to talk about this again several times. And that is that the idea that Satan has cloven feet and horns and that type of thing is entirely erroneous. That comes from the great god Pan. It comes out of Greek mythology. And the great god Pan is half animal, you know. And they worshipped him as Dionysius. And that's not the scriptural viewpoint. Satan is an angel of light. And if you could see him, he made himself visible to you. You'd see the most beautiful angel you've ever seen. Now, Paul draws from that this conclusion. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, this is something that makes your hair stand on end. And it's this, does Satan have ministers? And the answer is yes. That's what Paul said. And his ministers are very attractive. When I was just a boy in my teens, and I didn't know anything, hadn't been brought up in a Christian family, I went to hear a lecturer of a certain cult. And I won't mention that name of that cult. But this man read questions from the audience. I'm of the opinion no one asks this question, but he wanted to make the point. He says, somebody had said, I noticed that there is a halo of light around your head. Can you explain that? Well, I took a good second look. I didn't see a halo of light around his head, but you see what he's doing. He's making himself a minister of light. All of Satan's ministers glorify themselves. And you can tell whether a man is preaching the simplicity of the Word of God or whether he's preaching some other Jesus and preaching some other gospel. Now again, listen to him. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little." That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly. This is mindlessness. Paul says, indulge me in this. And then he goes on. He has quite an apology here. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I'll glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. And believe me, that's holy sarcasm. Then he goes on, For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage. That is, if he preaches the law to you. If a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. You take that. Now, Paul says, you'll certainly indulge me this. Now, listen to him. And 
Now I come to a section, and I do want to say this, that when I come to this, it makes me realize I'll just have to make a confession. I've been in the ministry a long time. And when I read what this man went through, I recognize I've just been playing at it. I haven't really been a real servant of Christ. Listen to this man. Now, I want to just read this. That's all. It speaks for itself. Listen to him. I speak as concerning reproach. This is verse 21. As though we had been weak, howbeit whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I'm bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Paul says, I can back up my genealogy. No question about who he was. Now, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more. Listen to him. He's more. I guess I can just say I'm a minister. But Paul can say I'm more. Listen to this. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in death off, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. You see, they would not beat anyone to death. And in order to keep from doing it, they'd give them 13 stripes on one side, 13 stripes on the other side, 13 stripes in the back. And this was the method then. Thrice was I beaten with rods. That was the Roman method of doing it. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. How many of us today that are ministers, how many of us can say that we've been through this? Why, my friend, we have been in the lap of luxury. Most of us have. We live in an affluent society, and we know nothing of these hardships for Jesus' sake. Now listen to him. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, many of us know what the burden of a church is. I have rejoiced in my retirement. The greatest part of my ministry has been since I retired. Oh, the burden that some of these pastors have today of a church. I know what it is. Now, listen to him. He says, who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Paul says, here is my report. That's his report as a minister of Jesus Christ. Now he says in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. None of us know what this is. How embarrassing it must have been to be let down in a basket. 
I can speak for myself and not for others, and I think they would have to say the same thing. When I go to a city to hold a meeting, a Bible conference, they put me always in a nice place, and they're very hospitable to me, and I'm received with dignity. But Paul, imagine they let him down a window sitting in a basket. That's embarrassing, friends. But Paul did that for Jesus' sake. I don't want to hear anybody bragging today about how they are suffering for Christ. Read this over, and then it will make you bow your head in shame and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, help me to be true to you. Help me to be faithful to you. Well, we'll leave off at that particular juncture. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Like Paul, we receive many letters from fellow listeners all over the world who are persecuted for their faith. Join us in praying for these brothers and sisters and asking God to reach his whole world with his whole word at ttb.org forward slash pray. Or just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if you'd like to reach us by phone. Now God bless you today as you walk with him in his word. Our journey on the Bible bus today is supported by the prayers and gifts of fellow passengers as we travel through the Bible.